Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're recapping PSG's first half of the season. We're reacting to the Champions League round of 16 draw. We're going to share our thoughts on the supposed Super League. And we're going to also talk about the state of League on in the United States. Uh, but first, let me remind you to visit PSGTalk.com for all your Paris Saint-Germain news. We're also on Substack. Go ahead over there and subscribe to PSG Talk Extra Time for columns from myself and Jonathan Johnson. He's got a great piece on uh, what PSG need to do before the round of 16 starts. And of course, if you enjoy this show, go ahead and subscribe uh, to PSG Talking and leave us a review if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to the show. Here to help me talk all things PSG, we've got Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. He was recently in Arizona, so i got to ask you, how's the weather down there this time of year? Oh, and yeah. you took in a sporting <laughs> event while you were there. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty warm. Yeah, my parents moved down there about a year ago. I was visiting. We basically did uh, Christmas uh, a little early, just because I knew I wouldn't, wasn't going to be with them on actual Christmas, Christmas Day, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was good. Weather was pretty warm. It did rain one of the days. That was weird. But the the funniest thing is Idaho doesn't get to be freezing. I mean, uh, it, it gets down in the twenties during, during the winter, but, uh, my, my parents out, who have lived in Idaho for the last 15 years or more, they're, uh, they're already donning sweatshirts in 60 degree weather down there. So they, they, uh, they adapted quickly to the warm Arizona weather, but, yeah, it was good. And then, like you mentioned, I was uh, put this on my, on my Twitter, but I was at the uh, Niners Cardinals game uh, on Sunday. Uh, if you anyone not listening, uh, if you don't know, uh, there's maybe one club, one team that I love more than PSG on this earth, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. So um, I go to one away game a year. That was the one I went to, and um, yeah, very good game. A lot of offense. Uh, and our defense did well enough, despite having some guys out. But um, I think what what we're really looking forward to is uh, your team playing mine this Sunday. So yeah, you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, well, we're going to wrap up the show. We'll preview that one. But um, I'm a Ravens fan, Baltimore Ravens, and so they're on Christmas evening. They're traveling to San Francisco to take on the other, the, the best team in the NFC. So you get the best in the AFC taking on the best in the NFC. Yeah. It should, I'm, I'm really, now that PSG is uh, off until January, this is like my main sporting event I'm looking forward yeah, to. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. It's going to be good. So, okay, let's put a pin in that. We'll, we'll talk American football at the end. If you want to stick around, Got you it. can listen to that. All right, let's, uh, let's just jump right into the mid-season review. As things stand right now, PSG, top of league on, five points ahead of Nice, seven points ahead of third place Monaco. Um, and then we talked about they they qualified by the skin of their teeth uh, to the uh, round of 16 of the Champions League. So as things stand right now, they're exactly where they want to be. But what do you make of PSG's league on performance this season? And, and maybe overall, what has surprised you about the French League so far? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think a lot of us had different expectations coming into this season from having, uh, you know, gone through Christophe Galtier's system, quote unquote system last year, if you could call it a system. Um, I've gone on the record saying I really expected more out of our defense last season with Galtier in charge, but um, man, it was, uh, it was porous at best. Uh, this year, obviously we started off with only two wins in our first five. Um, and actually three wins in our first seven, but 
Since match day eight, we have won every single match except for the one against Lille um, on the, the same day. It was actually going on as I was in uh, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. And that was almost a win. It was a stoppage time winner for yeah. Lille um, with uh, Asensio just making a really boneheaded mistake. He should have yeah. let the ball go out of bounds and he kept it in and yeah. gave it away and the rest was history. But yeah, that, I mean, that should have been a win as well. It should have been. So really, you're, you're talking PSG's been good enough to win their last their last nine Liga matches. So um, Luis Enrique, I mean, he's he's from La Liga, really. You know, he, he played at Barcelona back in the day. He played PSG in a cup final, European cup final in the late 90s. Um, he's been a, a Liga, or sorry, a La Liga guy, basically his whole uh, playing and coaching career. And you could kind of see, although like they, they, they have low blocks in La Liga too, but it felt like he uh, just needed, and the team as well, just needed a couple games under their belt to kind of get rolling. I mean, since match day six, we've been basically unstoppable. Um, but he, he quickly uh, adapted. I mean, if you look at our two draws since, since match day, I mean, when we lost to, uh, to Nice on match day five, if you look at our two non-wins since then, we had Claremont 0-0. That was, uh, you know, at that funny little stadium out in Claremont um, that everyone likes to poke fun at. Is that at the one with the play. construction going it on? Is, it is the construct. Yeah, it's, it's that one. And <laughs> our, our XG, I mean, we should have scored three goals at minimum. Somehow didn't get any. It was a 0-0 draw. And then the one against Lille. Um, you know, we didn't put out the strongest lineup, I feel. Um, I mean, we kind of had a bit of... Um, match or fixture congestion going into the end of the, the month here. But, you know, we played well enough. We, we should have won that as well. Like you said, Asensio screwed up there at the end and not only gave away the uh, the ball, but then kept Jonathan David on side for the, the headed rebound. So other than that, I mean, they've played well enough to basically win every game since we lost to uh, Nice on September 15th. Every game since then, we've been good enough to win. I mean, we started off after that crushing Marseille basically without Killian uh, on September 24th. And then since then, they've been on fire in Liga. They've, they've been, it, it feels like at times, you know, Liga is stronger now than it was in 2015, but this feels kind of like the Zlatan era of when we won the league by 29 points one year. I can't remember exactly which year, but it feels kind of like one of those again. We're, we're just on fire, feels like we can't really lose. We're getting wins even in our bad performances. So um, as far as Liga goes, yeah, since that little stumble at the beginning, honestly cannot ask for a better performance, I, I feel. I'm with you. Yeah, when you look at all the results, PSG are doing exactly what they need to. I don't know if I would say they're – you know, really their performances have been flying and they're scoring goals and it's been a little bit of a, a slow go of it, but they are grinding out the wins. And when you're starting four five, six new players in your starting lineup uh, every game, I think, and, and you have a new manager, it, it's sort of going to be expected that maybe you kind of struggle a little bit, but they've been getting the results. So at the end of the day, that's great. Um, I also, one thing we have seen in the past is a lot of times after a Champions League match, PSG kind of fall asleep. 
we haven't really seen that. You know, they PSG beat Milan, and then the next match they uh, they go to Brest and win three two. So they're they're getting those wins after a big Champions League game. They're not having that let off. So that is certainly promising. PSG also go into places where they typically struggle. Um, you know, in, in early October, going to Rennes and, and getting that three one win. That's a big victory. So I would say as a whole, I'm, I'm really pleased with the the results. Even if I, I'm not exactly thrilled with the way we're playing, you mentioned the defense. I think we're still struggling a bit there. Um, but, you know, you, anytime you have Skriniar coming in, he's a new player. He's a little bit slower. We know about Marquinhos' trouble. So, um, and then our fullbacks like to just get forward. And don't forget, uh, Lucas Hernandez is, is also new. So a lot of new faces on the defensive side. I think if there's a weak spot in the squad, it's certainly um, on the defensive end. So that needs to get cleaned up. But, it's hard to be disappointed with, you know, leading league on and, you know, coming back because at some point they were what, like third or fourth in the league and they've managed to catch up to some of the teams ahead of them who have slipped and they've caught them. They haven't, um, you know, let any of those opportunities fall by the wayside. So Luis Enrique, give him credit. Um, we're going to give him a grade later, later, but let's give him credit here for, you know, keeping the focus um, within the team. Um, Ethan, anything else before we move on to the next one? Yeah, and, and all the points, I, I should have led with this kind of like you did, but uh, the fact that we're doing this with, like you said, a, a very new team, it feels like half the team's new from last year. Um, our two, two of our three best goal scorers and, and attackers are gone. Obviously, Messi and Neymar left. And uh, those two guys especially are two of the best uh, Probably, yeah, not not one of the best, but those are probably the two best playmakers in the world when they're both healthy. Um, so uh, even even though they're getting into their thirties or, or late thirties in Messi's case, yeah. but um, despite yeah all that all that turnover within the squad, all these young guys that we came, that we brought in, you know, Kangin Lee, uh, freaking Gonzalo Rala, uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who I mean he's been I, I don't know if we'll touch on him exactly, but. He's a guy that I've been super high on, and I just feel like our system doesn't quite suit. Uh, you know, our system doesn't quite suit the way that he plays. We're not the best as far as deliveries go, and and we're not truly focusing on on a on a, a nine when we're attacking because Mbappe is sort of a wide forward, and it's just a bit clunky there. But I just just take the list of all of the new guys coming in, and basically since. Mid-September, we've been bossing league on. Like you said, new manager, new team. I mean, if we had somehow got one more goal against Claremont and then not allowed the goal against Lille, then we would we would be you know perfect in our last eleven league on games. So yeah, on, honestly, can't ask for more. Um, and and we're we're even seeing like league on is is not you know I'm not I'm, I'm never going to say it's the best league in the world i think we know that's not true but it's it's top five as far as quality and i've always talked about how the midfield or sorry the mid table of Liga is really strong uh you saw teams like not last year who finished they barely avoided relegation and they were still in the europa league knockouts and leon the year they upset man city in the champions league they finished eighth so um, while the european teams in liga aren't always phenomenal the mid table is is pretty dang strong. Um, they, they've got their they've got it together for the most part. So yeah, the fact that we're beating Ren away, um, we've got Monaco uh, on in March. That'll be right before the away leg of our Champions League fixture. 
uh, the second leg. And if we some, if we get a win against Monaco away, which we've really struggled to do, then man, I mean, yeah, it'll just be a testament to how dialed in Luis Enrique has been. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't been perfect, obviously, but yeah. we're getting wins. I mean, I think more than half of our wins since that loss to Nice, more than half of those have been by multiple goals. So for the most part, they've been they've been comfortable. And just sticking with Luis Enrique, he's also moved things around. He's played different attackers. He's played four at the back, three at the back. He's had Zaire Emery as a kind of makeshift right back at times. So I, haven't, I don't think I've seen this much changes to the starting lineup um, probably since Thomas Tuchel was here. Even Donnarumma, you know, he was suspended for kicking a guy in the head and they had to bring Tenas in, and, and he played really well, and that was a player I'm sure Luis Enrique would have, you know, had a say on um, when he came in the summer. So, you know, thing, everything is sort of is uh, working for PSG right now. Um, so great points by you. And and just the second part of my question, and I didn't touch on either, but I want to get your thoughts. Just looking at Ligue 1 as a whole – are there any players or teams that have surprised you just moving away from PSG for a second? Yeah, obviously, uh, Stad Brestois being in fourth is kind of weird. They've won over half their matches. They only have four losses. They're on the same goal difference as, as Nice, uh, if I remember right. Um, they, I think they're, I think they're, I'm looking up, they're at 31 points. So, I mean, right now, if the season ended today, we're at the midway point, if it ended today, they would be in the Champions League qualifying round next year. Stade Brestois, I think that's incredible. Um, nice have obviously been very good. Um, it's weird how they were, just their whole thing with having Gaultier for a one year and then he comes to us, then he leaves, and they were kind of bad the year that, that he wasn't there, but now they've kind of figured it out. I cannot remember for the life of me who their manager is. Who is it again? Um, it is. Can look it up. Uh, uh, Rivera. I don't even hardly know this guy. <laughs> uh, that's the president. What am I talking about? Oh, oh, their manager's Farioli, the Italian. Yeah, there you uh, go. my bad. Francesco. I was, I was looking at their president when I was just on their Wikipedia page. I was thinking, I've never heard of this guy in my life. <laughs> um, no, they they've been really solid. I mean, if you look at, I mean, they can't score. They can hardly score goals to save their life. But their defense has been phenomenal. Uh, Jean-Claude Todibo in the back has been great. Um, I hope I was saying his last name right, Todibo. I don't know if it's Todibo or Todibo. You guys know what I'm talking about if you're we listening know. to this podcast. Um, he's obviously been phenomenal. They have a, a great, uh, you know, their midfield has been really solid, I feel. Um, yeah, Nice has been super good. Although I, I don't know if I see them finishing in the top three just because – their defense is so good, but they're barely averaging a goal a game. Mm. I just, I, I wonder if the wheels are going to fall off. I feel like a team like Monaco just behind them. I, I feel like a team like that is a lot better poised to finish the season strong. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, you kind of stole who I was going to say. I, I, I've always thought, again, I think I've said this in a podcast before. I always have wondered like, why why can't Nice finish high in the table? They have so many good players. Yeah. Um Mar- Mar- just in goal, you know, Marcin Bolka from PSG, he's quality. Tadebo, as you mentioned, he's really good. Uh Melvin Bard uh, on defense for them, as you said, their their defense is phenomenal. Uh Kefren Taram is a um a PSG transfer target yeah, last true. summer. Taram's there. I forgot about yep. that. Yeah. Sophie Anjap is really good on the wing. So they I mean they've got, you know, Mofi. 
Um, I think they signed him this summer. Is, is really is good. The captain still. I can't believe he's still playing. It feels like that guy is forty five. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, they they've had this really nice mix of young players and some veterans, and I they never have put it together. So for them to be. Uh, what are they? Second in the table, five points off PSG. They're finally kind of living up to expectations. Um, Monaco is another really good team. I'm not too surprised to see them up there, um, but they've got great midfielders. Who's the uh, the, the one guy? Yusef Fofana is just – he is such a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say just if I had to say a surprise, maybe Nate Leon. Leon down in 15th just oh, well, outside yeah. of the relegation yeah. zone, two points out of the relegation zone. Oh, and, and on, only because they've won two or three matches in a row. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Only recently have they gotten out. I think if, if you want to, if there's something to look at at Leon other than PSG, keep your eye on Leon because if they go down, that is catastrophic for that club. If they go down. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do think. I mean, they've already they're already on their third manager. I think their third guy right now is their caretaker. Can't remember his name, but uh, like I said, I think they've won two matches in a row. Uh, they've got this guy, uh, I can't remember his first name, O'Brien. He's this Irish guy. He's been doing really well for them. Um, I wonder if he's going to go for tens of millions someday. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they're starting to figure it out. Uh, I know they're technically their rival, but um, I, I like Leon. I, I like their their history. And oddly enough, they had never won Liga until they won it seven straight times in the early 2000s. But um, a historic club for sure. I always like calling them the the superior Olympique, uh, not to be confused with uh, our rivals who will not be named. Um, and also, if you ever get a chance to watch the Anthony Bourdain uh, when he's in Leon, it is the best one for me that I think he's ever done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, nice. it's the food and all. It's it's a great episode if you get a chance yeah. to watch that one. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to see Leon go down personally. I'm okay with if Marseille goes down. Uh, well, I don't know. I like smashing them in La Classique for the most part, but <laughs> I, I don't want Lyon to go down. I think they're a historic club that, that needs to stay in, in Liga, uh, especially considering how much crap most people uh, in England and Spain give the league. Um, just, you know, I'm talking about the cream of the crop, like the, the people who consider themselves football elitists because they support a club in one of the two richest leagues by far in the world. Um so yeah, I also say random thing. I know we might be going on this part a little long, but Lav um, in eleventh, they were recently promoted. A lot of people, their defense in Ligue 2 last year was was pretty good, but they didn't score a bunch of goals. A lot of people were thinking that they would go down, just thinking, oh, if you can't score goals, I mean, you you got to get wins to stay in this league. You can't be settling for draws all the time. I actually, I don't know why, but I predicted them to have a, a decent season and stay up and right now they're five points clear the relegation spot they're in 11th so um i like them i was actually in love uh great uh, supporters this year. Uh, yeah. R- yeah really great good supporters team. yeah it's mm-hmm. a real blue it feels like a real blue collar town when i was there um yeah stadiums stadiums kind of neat I, I went past it and go in it but yeah it's uh it's always a cool club um their youth academy historically phenomenal they've i cannot remember all the guys that have come out is of that Lyle, where pogba but, paul pogba came from oh i bet it is let's let me try and find this real fast um oh man you can find I, it first 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to find this those. Is, this is great for the airways. People love this when we're Googling things. Yes, oh, yeah. under 17. Oh, yeah. Uh, Riyad Mahrez and Steve Mandanda also are from there. There uh, it is, yeah. Dimitri Payet. It's funny, two Marseille, two guys that became kind of Marseille <laughs> icons in there. Uh, Benjamin Mendy in there as well. See, so, yeah, I mean, at 11th ahead of Montpellier, Nantes, we, we just played yeah. them recently. They're tough. So in Mets, I mean, yeah, they're yeah. doing pretty good for a newly promoted team. Hopefully they yeah. can stay up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can um, talk about that table for a long time. I mean, <laughs> Radner down in 10th, I feel like that's so strange. That's, I, don't know how that, they yeah. don't, I don't know how they don't have it together yet. This goes back to what I was saying, how the Liga mid-table, mid, uh, mid I feel like, is always so strong. Mm-hmm. Ren are in the, the freaking Europa League knockout rounds, but they're <laughs> they're 10th in Liga. It's like you, people can call Liga bad, but then you see mm-hmm. not last year barely avoid relegation on the final day, yet – they didn't play. I mean, they 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 got beat pretty soundly, but they were in a, a Europa League knockout tie against Juventus last season. That's right. Um, yeah, it's like it, the league can't be that bad if your mid-table teams or your teams that that are technically mm-hmm. in a rele- relegation scrap a little bit are getting or, you know are still playing European football in the spring. You know, it can't be that bad of a yeah. league. I feel like La Liga does that a lot. Their, their team Sevilla, we know, goes and wins the Europa League every season. So. Yeah, it is interesting. It's a really strong table. Um, a lot of different storylines. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. Let's switch it back to PSG for a yeah. second. I want to just, you know, briefly, who's been your most valuable player for PSG so far this season? Ooh, good question. You didn't. Uh, oh man, to just throw that out all of a sudden. Well, I could go. I could go first to give you a minute yeah, to think you go about first. it. Yeah. Of of course, Kylian Mbappe. He would be the easy choice, right? I think so. But yeah. if we're going away from Mbappe. It's got to be Warren Zaire Emery. He's gotten, if I'm not mistaken, two man of the match uh, performances in the Champions League. He's 17 years old. He's a regular starter. It, he's controlling the midfield. He's doing everything. If we need him to kind of play, as I mentioned earlier, if we need him to play right back and, and cover some ground there, he's willing to do that. You see him with the megaphone, uh, singing with the supporters. So he's embracing the ultras. He's embracing you know, Paris, the club, and he's just, he does everything. And so for me, it's easy to go Mbappe. I won't get on you too much if you choose him, but if you're looking for someone outside of Mbappe, I would go Warren Zayer Emery. And if I, if he's too obvious, I would probably go Vitinha. I think he's played extremely well. And, and a, a feather in his cap would be when he's not in the starting lineup, look at PSG's performances. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they have that uh, person who's able to create in the midfield, and he's that person. He's not afraid to take on a shot. Sometimes he blasts it into the 20th row, but oftentimes he scores. He, he's scoring, he's assisting, he's moving the ball. He's that kind of, you know, transition from midfield to attack. And so I think Vitinha has been a really solid player for us. So those are kind of my, my players. Who do you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was on mute listening to you, and um, I was looking over at this, and then it came to me that, oh, yeah, well, Vitinha, of course. I mean, I've been a big Vitinha guy since we signed him. And, uh, of course, I didn't want to go Killian as, as a cop-out because, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the sheer You could have gone Ethan Mbappe. just made his uh, debut. <laughs> true, and we share a name, yeah. Although it's funny. It's funny hearing the French commentators. Uh, Is they, it Etan? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's yeah. Etan. Yeah, Etan. Yeah, it's funny. Um yeah, calling him that opposed to uh, uh, Ethan. You know, Ethan's the Americanized way to say it. But um, yeah, I was I was thinking like, oh, you know what? I hope he doesn't say Vitinha because I was gonna I was gonna jump on that one. 
Um, then you said it, and I was yeah. muted, so you guys couldn't hear it, but I went, ah, damn. Like, I was, <laughs> I was hoping I was going to be able to snag that one. Um, yeah, Warren's Iron Emery has been phenomenal. I mean, man, to be as good as he's been at, at 17, I mean, the guy is is very physically strong. I mean, uh, one thing that kind of bugs me about how we play is when, you know, we're a team that maintains possession and, and we're okay side-passing a bunch and, and keeping the ball. Um because, but, but when we do take on guys one-on-one, again, you know, dribbling and, uh, you know, trying to beat a guy for, for a shot or, or get down, you know, for one of our fullbacks trying to get down one of the wings, dribbling past a guy, I feel like our players too often get kind of dispossessed because the other guy, the opponent, is stronger. Um, that's just one little thing that kind of bugs me about how we play so far. I really don't have any major complaints, but if I had to pick one, that'd be it. And I feel like, you know, I see guys like Kang and Lee or even Vitinha or even Killian get kind of pushed off the ball uh, fairly frequently. Warren's Zanner Emery is tough to to muscle off the ball. It's just so crazy that he does that. Being 17, I feel like if you take the player that was probably the best at at maintaining possession when he's, you know— getting hit by another guy uh, from last season's squad. It was Sergio Ramos, I feel. And Warren Zaire Emery, I'm not going to go as far as to say he's as strong as Sergio Ramos with that old man strength, but it's it's somewhat comparable, and I think it's so impressive. Um, yeah, certainly uh, a gem for the future. And then my my other one, other than Killing, because he, he doesn't really need any explanation, um, he's reportedly having a down year, and he has... I don't know, 20 something goals already this season. It's crazy. But um, Vitinha, I've, like I said, I've been a huge fan of him since we signed him. He faced a lot of criticism last year. And I was going, we're going into this year thinking guys like this, they really only get two, three seasons to try and shine at PSG. If you flop, you know, season one, whatever. If you saw, if you flop season two, then you're in trouble and, and you're really probably not cut out here. He has done really well. I know that match ratings are not, you know, hardly important at all just because they they don't really accurately always measure how someone actually did or how impactful they were. But it's worth noting that Vitinha is third highest in our our squad for match ratings for the season so far behind uh, Mbappe and Hakimi. And yeah, and I just look at like, the performance when he's not in the team. We're exactly. all like, put Vitinha in there. Why isn't he starting? And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, because I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up too. It's man, I, I wish I could look up a, I wish I had a list in front of me right now of of our results when he starts and our results when he doesn't. But I promise you, they're they're better when he starts. They're far better when he starts. So yeah, I love that he has kind of figured it out. Luis Enrique is using him in a uh, an attacking, uh, you know, midfield kind of a role. He's not not as a 10, not as a true attacking midfielder, but he's an 8 that's attack minded and I've uh, I've loved that so far. So great to yeah. see him and um, I would say as far as defensive players go, like you said, it's funny that the defense is is definitely our most experienced part of the squad, but they're probably the the portion that struggled the most. And uh, so I think we need to watch that that defense because some of the guys there maybe shouldn't be there if we want to truly win the Champions League. But um, I know that Ugarte, his form has dropped off a lot in the past month or two. I still feel like we have really high expectations for him. 
And given the sort of midfield, you know, defensive, uh, what do I, I want to say here? Uh, the, the, the quality of defensive performances that midfielders put in last year, of course, we didn't play with a true six last year, really, or hardly ever. But I still feel like even on his, his kind of eh matches, matches where he's just doing okay, I feel like a lot of the fans are underestimating how important that is. Um, he and then of course when he's on his game, then he's phenomenal. So uh, I do want to highlight him, even though people have been down on him for a little bit. And I think Lucas Hernandez has been pretty good. Uh, I was I was going to say well. if you're looking for another player that's sort of off the board, you could look at Lucas Hernandez. When he came yeah. in, we were all like, oh god, he's coming off a major knee injury. Yep. He's you know older than the whole like he was born in Marseille, but he's yeah. come in and he's filled in at left back. If we needed him to play a little center back, he can. Mm-hmm. He's he's been phenomenal. I don't know. Hopefully, he can stay healthy, but uh, he's been great. So I, I wouldn't argue with you if you said defense is is the weakest part of this team, and he's been kind of holding it together. You could certainly make the case that he would be the MVP for PSG so far. Yeah, yeah. And then one one last guy I just want to point out is um, he hasn't got many goals, but as far as pure playmaking. Usman Dembele has been very good for us this season. Very underrated. Um, entertaining, I, if nothing else. I mean, he's... <laughs> what did you say, sir? I said entertaining, if nothing else. He doesn't oh. always score. Sometimes he trips oh over gosh. his own feet. But, oh, man, he gets man. the ball, and you do sort of... You absolutely take notice because something positive is going to happen. He is. No, he's a true wild card. Um, but I think football comes down to the decisive moments. If, if you trip over yourself ten times... Or you you're dispossessed ten times, but then one time you provide such a good assist that it's basically a tap in goal. Uh, then you've sort of redeemed yourself, you know, because it's it's not like this is basketball where you're you're you know the 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 best guards are taking twenty plus shots a night. It comes down to the decisive moments, and often in the decisive moments, uh, he's at least created the chances. Now our finishing has been pretty poor in this half of the season, but he certainly earned himself, you know, loads upon loads of assists so far. Ultimately, I think if you want to make the the best case, it has to be Warren Zaire Emery. Without his goal against Dortmund, we're in the Europa League right now. It was a great goal uh, in the second half against Dortmund. So there was just enough to get us the draw. Yeah. Without him, we're, we're playing on Thursdays in who knows where. So yeah, yeah, for me, uh, he's got to be just for that. He's got to be the MVP. Yeah, that's a good point. If you want to stick it down to one moment that was most important, um, then it'd have to be that. And of course, you have to look at the man who essentially created the chance, which was Kylian Mbappe, who it's very weird that he does not have more assists this season. He's been pretty dang good as, as a in playmaking efforts. But uh, yeah, I guess if we had to wrap it up, it'd be Killian and Warren. They'd have to be the two, I think, without doubt. Let's go to the manager. What grade would you give him? A is obviously the best, and F would be failing. So what grade would you give Luis Enrique so far? Mm, let's go. Man, uh, if, if he had been here several seasons or if the squad hadn't changed too much and he was doing this, then I'd give him um, a B or a B plus. But given just the, the sheer turnover in the squad, uh, he's getting an A- minus for me, or maybe even A. I guess if you're using a plus-minus system, if A-plus is the best that he can get, it's an A- minus or an A. I, I know that 
At times, I've been frustrated on how little he's playing Gonzalo Ramos. Uh, at times, when he sat Vitinha, I'm thinking, dude, what the hell? That's like my one of my favorite players here, and he's clearly been a, a great player for us. But um, I mean, I feel like the team has started off this season, at least in Liga, so strong, and um, and I guess we'll probably touch on the Champions League more in a little bit, but. The fact that if you look at the XG and the XG table, I'm a big stats and XG guy. I think if you've listened to me, you know that. Um, you look at you know the XG within the group stages. Uh, Newcastle finished dead last by a by a large portion, and Dortmund should have got third based on that. Milan should have got second, and the fact that we didn't win our group was was an absolute miracle in a bad way. Um, we had the third greatest XG difference in the group stages. The only teams that were above us were Real Madrid and Man City, and they easily won their groups. There were teams below us who had far greater XG difference, and they easily won their groups. Um, if you use different ranking systems, uh, our group truly was, in all aspects, the group of death. You know, Any four of those teams could have gone through they had the quality, you know, if any if any two of them had been in the last 16, we'd have gone, yeah, like they they deserve to be there because they're all quality teams. And, um, you know, very unlucky to have not won our group. But, um, you know, and Luis Enrique is, is, for the most part, making the right decisions almost every time. You know, I wanted to play Gonzalo Ramos, and then he doesn't, and we score five goals in a game. You know, how upset can I be, really? So... Um, yeah, I'd say A or A minus for me because, uh, if our finishing was a little bit better across all aspects, then we're top of Liga by 10 plus points already. And we just won our champion, the group of death with ease. So cannot really have complaints with the guy. Totally with you. And yeah, let's use the plus minus system. For me, it's got to be an A minus. If you if you really want to look at what are the blemishes on his tenure so far, it would have to be being naive away at Newcastle. It was going to be a difficult, you know, difficult match. And you go with four attackers, and you left the midfield wide open. And you just got overrun, and you didn't really make any changes. So that for me is is a big blemish. And then not beating Newcastle at home. Not being really ready for that one, needing a kind of a dodgy penalty. So those are the two big issues that I have with Luis Enrique. But outside of that, he's done everything that we could have asked. He's kind of it. it there's no drama, right? Don't you feel like there's less drama with this team right now than oh, in recent yeah. years? <laughs> there totally is. I uh, I saw some post yesterday on on Twitter slash X, whatever you call it. Um, I don't call it X. Uh, not that that matters, but. It's just it's Twitter in my mind, but on there uh, there was some French uh, social, you know, some French uh, account on there. Uh, they do news. It wasn't like Keep or or Le Parisien or any of the big ones, but um, one of them posted something where they they asked uh, Kang and Lee that hey, it's Killian's birthday, you know, twenty five. You guys gonna go out and celebrate the game, uh, the win today, and his birthday? And Kang and Lee said, no, I, I think I'm probably just gonna go home. You know, and just just have a relaxing night, um, and it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of weird to. No one heard about that because, of course, that's not catchy. If Kang and Lee <laughs> said, "Yeah, we're going to go and um, you know 
do lines at, at, at one of the clubs here, then yeah, that would have been all over, you know, that, that would have been crazy news. But the fact that it's not controversial in any way is why mm-hmm. we didn't hear about it for the most part. Yeah, this team feels very serious compared to the last couple squads that we've had in, in past years. They're all very boring. Although I did see were they at some kind of event playing basketball. I don't know. There were some of the players were out, but it's it, it seems very low key, which I really like. So, and I think that comes from the top. Luis Enrique is kind of you know mm-hmm. managing the young players, a new newly built squad. So, yeah, a minus for Luis Enrique. Uh, let's turn our attention, Ethan, to the Champions League because on Monday we are recording on Thursday evening. Last Monday. Uh, PSG learned they would face Real Sociedad in the round of 16, an incredible draw that most of us never thought would happen because we always get one of the more European elite teams. But it was, I think the draw was 4 a.m. for us on Monday. So when I don't know if you yeah. saw it live or when you kind of woke up, but what was your initial reaction to the news when you saw PSG Real Sociedad? Yeah, I uh, I got up at 4 a.m. to watch it. I love watching Champions League draws. You are um, crazy. <laughs> I know. I'm a little bit crazy. But I, I don't know why. It really – even though it's, it was only – I mean, man, the thing was over in 20 minutes. But I really like getting up to watch the draws and then hear everyone's instant reactions. I mean, um, I, I try to not be too re- reactionary on social media. But, um, you know, I, I am at times. But for the most part – uh, just for entertainment purposes alone, I kind of love seeing people's insane takes right off the bat, uh, thinking, oh, Porto's going to kill Arsenal because Arsenal hasn't beaten a Portuguese team in the Champions League in like 15 years, as if that matters at all. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Arsenal's playing Porto, are they not? Yeah. Hopefully uh, I got that right. If I yes, didn't, that's Arsenal, a little Yep, Arsenal-Porto. Okay, good. That's, that's what I thought. And just hearing, <laughs> hearing just reactionary insane takes that, have no consequence or, or real meaning on, on uh, actual reality is, is just one of my favorite parts of the draw. But I, w- I was up, I was watching it. Um, we were the third, uh, you know, they, they were selecting the unseeded teams or the group runners up. Uh, and then they'd pick, you know, from one of the group uh, winners and, and do it that way. And they were just matched up one, 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 like that. And we were the third one to go. There were all the big teams left on the board, and I'm going into this thinking, yep, all right, well, the first two uh, matchups were, I think, Inter drew Atletico Madrid, and Atletico Madrid is who I wanted us to draw. I think matchup-wise, I think they would have been the the easiest opponent for us. Um, I think Dortmund, if we could have drawn Dortmund, would have been even easier than them, uh, just matchup-wise, but of course we couldn't draw them being in the same group. Um, but, uh, when Atletico Madrid went to, uh, got Inter, my first thought was, man, that's, I feel like Inter was an extremely underrated group runner up. They were in Real Sociedad's group. I feel that they probably should have won that group. Um, but I was thinking, man, that's gonna be a good tie. But then I'm thinking after that, I can't remember what the very first draw was, but I'm thinking all the big teams are on the board. You know, I'm pretty sure Real Madrid, Man City, Bayern, I'm pretty sure they were all there. And I was just thinking, all right, which one of these juggernauts are we going to get again? And to get Real Sociedad, who's a team who, uh, they're a little close to my heart. Um, well, we can get into that later. But they're a little close to my heart. They're, they're one of the few teams that I actively watch outside of PSG. Um, and to see them, you know, not only make the qualify for the Champions League last season, which I was elated about, 
But then to get us in the round of 16, it was a little bittersweet thinking that only one of us is going to go through because I really like that club. But I was thinking, man, my first thoughts were, well, we avoided one of the big ones, but this team presses really well. And so my, my first thought was, well, we've got two months to become press resistant. And if we do it, then we should handle that tie with ease. If we don't, there's a very good chance that we're going to lose. So those those are my first thoughts when uh, when I was watching the draw live. But um, I want to know, yeah, what were when you woke up and saw it? What, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I definitely slept in. I'm not waking up at 4 a.m. Um, I initially I was like, wow, a new a new team. I don't know how we've, often they're yeah, in the Champions actually, League, but we've actually never played them ever. Ever play. so yeah, completely new team. So I love that first of all. Um, I think we had the highest percentage to draw against Bayern. And I just want to – I'm bored of playing those teams. It usually doesn't go our way. It was sort of nice to see a draw go our way. Um, And I don't want to say Real Sociedad are easy, but would I rather play Bayern Munich or the sixth best team in La Liga right now? Like give me Real Sociedad. I know they come with their own challenges that they're going to present. Mm-hmm. You mentioned defensively and their pressing is really good, but this is why we pay Luis Enrique. You know, he comes from that league. I think he had a winning record uh, when he was at Barcelona against Real Sociedad a number of years ago, I know, but mm-hmm. he would be familiar with perhaps the style they want to play, some of the players, and I just have to trust that he could figure the, figure this out. If they're going to press us, can we maybe not play out from the back and just boot it down the pitch to, to Mbappe and, and build from there or – you know, do we need to sign a player in January to, to overcome what they what Real Sociedad are going to do to us? So I, we got plenty of time to get there. But just my initial reaction was, wow, this is going to be nice. This is even though it does mean probably less eyeballs are going to go to PSG because it's not your marquee matchup um, like it would have been PSG Bayern. Everyone, the pressure and all that people kind of say, oh, PSG, here they go. They're going out again. I feel like this is like a little bit off the radar now. They can focus on what they need to focus on. All the outside noise probably won't be as existent as it would be against uh, you know Real Madrid or, or Man City. So it'll hopefully be a little bit quieter. Hopefully we can just a nice professional uh, two matches in, in advance. So that was sort of my initial reaction. Um, but let me see. What, what do you want to see, Ethan, from PSG? Leading up, I think the first game is actually Valentine's Day, February 14th. What do you want to see? What needs to improve from PSG before we get to that match that would give you confidence that, okay, we got this. We can we can advance past them. Yeah, I want to see I want to see us uh, man, let me look at our schedule before we play them, right before them. Okay. We're gonna have well, we'll be playing Lille uh, again uh, at home. Uh, that'll be the match right before, so that'll be that'll be kind of interesting. Although I, I, I'm just looking at our schedule, we've got we've got Atlons versus Stadbrestois at Strasbourg, and then again against Lille, and there'll probably be two cup matches in there. Which one of them against is against uh, the amateur side Ravel, which yeah. we better play the B team in that game. Um, but I think I, they should probably play us in that game. They could play. Oh yeah, we were talking about this. I, I'll be backup left back. Yeah, I'm backup goalkeeper, okay. uh, and I'm sure there's probably some more athletic listeners and, and followers of PSG talk we could get. But yeah. there's no need that anybody making any kind of significant money needs to play in this game. This <laughs> exactly. Is, yeah, this is ridiculous. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, um, we don't have uh, Lille's the only 
I'd say, real tough game that we might have some trouble in leading up to that. Um, so what I want to see is just guys get healthy. I want to see guys get rest. I don't want to see Mbappe playing in our next six matches, six or seven matches leading up to this game. That would just be kind of ridiculous. Although that's the thing with him. His, his fitness is so good. Feels like when he's healthy, he'll, he never doesn't play 90 minutes. Uh, but I think for once, maybe Luis Enrique can say, all right, bro, uh, January is kind of going to be your, your month off. You're going to play one or two matches this month against, you know, Lons and, and Brest. And then assuming that our, our cup match, assuming we win this one, obviously, uh, I mean, that'd be insane if we lost. That would be, that'd be probably one of the biggest cup upsets in the history of football. Um, but our, assuming our next cup match would be, I think, January 21st, um, so I really just want to see, you know, I want to see all these main guys who've been important for us only play two or three matches in that month. Let the B team, let guys like Sharon Dewar, Levin Kozawa, uh, play uh, Arno Tenas again, um, play Mukiele, play Danilo, guys like that. Uh, so that first off, our, our core guys are staying healthy. And then second of all, these guys that are they're reserve players, not reserve, but you know, they're they're coming off the bench uh, most of the time. They can get some match fitness kind of leading up into the most important stretch of the season. Just because I, I, I wish we were playing some tough teams. Like if we were playing at Monaco, at Marseille before that first leg, um, then that would be, those would be good tests. You know, I, I would kind of want those before I see how we're going to do against teams, especially like Marseille. They always play us so intensely, which normally just leads to, lobbing through balls over the top to Mbappe and then he gets a hat trick because Marseille completely, every time we play them, Marseille completely forgets how fast Mbappe is. It's incredible. Um, I don't know how they haven't learned that by now, but (laughs) yeah, no, no really tough matches. So let's just keep guys healthy. Um, I don't really want to see any signings other than the, the three uh, youth prospects that we've, that we've heard of. We've got fine depth. We'll probably get Nuno Mendes back in January. Um, you know, uh, one little caveat, we might be missing Hakimi for the first leg of that on Valentine's Day because the Africa Cup of Nations, I think that's what they call it, Cup uh, of Nations, right. yeah, the yeah. final is on the 11th if they if he makes it. So I feel kind of bad, but, you know, I'm not Moroccan, so I, I have to root against Morocco here, sadly. Um I want him of sorry I want to him, our Moroccan listeners I'm, out I'm there. I'm sorry, it's it's not <laughs> yeah to Moroccan listeners. I swear it's not pers- personal. I really liked when you guys did well in the World Cup. That was really cool. Of course, I rooted for France in that semifinal, as I root for France in everything when they're not playing the U.S. But um, I yeah, just I got to be thinking of you know the interests of of my club here. So um, other than that. Nothing big. My main point, like I said, is is I hope keep guys healthy, keep guys very fresh. As always, yeah, it always comes down. And but with the way we saw Zaire Emery come back from his ankle injury, maybe our our training staff has gotten it together, and we can actually get guys healthy in a reasonable amount of time. Or either that, or Zaire Emery is just superhuman and you know can heal quickly. But I would say for me, score goals. I want to see us score goals. XG is great. I want actual goals, not expected goals. We need yeah. Dembele scoring. We need Colomani scoring. Ramos needs to get out there. I need him scoring. I know Mbappe can do it. 
I need to know the other guys can do it. And the more that they score in some of these games um, against maybe kind of mid to lower table league on teams, the more they can do that, the muscle memory, they'll kind of shake off whatever is bothering them. And we can go into that game and they'll be full of confidence. So for me, that you could say the defense, I just don't, without a big signing, I don't think that's going to improve. I don't think Lenny Euro from uh, Leo is going to make the, the jump over to PSG. So I don't see that getting better anytime soon. So how do you combat that? Score goals. And we've got some really good goal scorers who are doing everything but put the ball into the back of the net. So that's what I want to see. Um, I want to see us get into uh, inform with some of our attackers not named Kylian Mbappe. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Let me see yeah. here. So you you touched on Arsenal Porto. Let me just get you real quick. Is there another matchup in the round of 16 that you'll have your eye on or you're excited about? Uh, yeah, I will not watch a single minute of Man City versus Copenhagen. That might be the most lopsided Champions League round of 16 tie I've ever seen. Um, and wow, I went what back is, what? to 2015. In Manchester City, I think only two oh, years did dude. they actually have a team uh-huh. that you would say could test them. I'm talking like <laughs> Dinamo uh, Kiev. And, yeah. I mean, some of these teams that they play, yeah. the I fact that they have one trophy to show for it is sort of embarrassing. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if they had been given uh, – if we had swapped, you know, if PSG had had the round of 16s, that Man City did, and then vice versa. In this time, I will give them credit. They since 2015, they have won the group, their group, one or two more times than we have. But for the most part, I mean, even when we won the group, my my, my favorite example is to go back to 2018 uh, when we topped the group over Bayern uh, on on head to head matchups. We both had 12 points. Uh, we topped the group over Bayern. We were a group winner. We're thinking, wow, we could be getting a team like Besiktas from Turkey, or there were a lot of bad teams in there. Um, I kind of just foolish we were. I kind of just gave away who Bayern drew uh, as a group runner-up. They got a group winner, Besiktas from Turkey. They beat them like nine-one on aggregate. Who did PSG draw? Oh, only Real Madrid, who <laughs> who had gone back to back and were going for the three peat. Spoiler to anyone who doesn't know football history, they did it. They they got the three-peat that season, um, who somehow didn't win their group because it always seemed like those Real Madrid teams. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. the year that they they knocked us out two years ago and then won the thing. They lost to a freaking Moldovan side in the group stage right, yeah. just two years ago. So Real Madrid never has it together in the group stage. Real Madrid just – they're going to get out of their group every time because they're good enough. And then what they really care about is, all right, now that we're in the last 16, mm-hmm. now it's time to um, become uh, the frickin' – what's the name of the team uh, in in Space Jam? Who, who oh, the Monstars. Are? The Monstars. They just become yeah. the Monstars. <laughs> so that's – I mean, they're, they're mentality monsters, obviously, Rome Dredar. But um, the fact that we drew them and not Besiktas. Yeah. Who we would have slaughtered, and and I looked that year, we would have made the semifinals that year. And I looked um, it up. We played since 2015. PSG in the round of 16 have played Chelsea twice, Barcelona twice, Real Madrid twice, and some other top tier. We, we never Man- get a Real yeah, Sociedad ever. Yeah, we played Manchester United. Our easiest yep. one was the Man United one, which don't talk to me about that tie. Yeah, that's my least favorite tie in football history. Um, should have won it, obviously. Um, but that one and Dortmund are the only two semi-easy ones. And you're looking at both of those ties being like, these are teams that are almost always competing in their domestic league at the time. 
both have won the Champions League before, um, albeit Dortmund's was in uh, 97 or 96, but like they've, they've got this pedigree still, and they've been the second biggest club in Germany for a long yeah, time. It's a, it's a football factory. I mean, they know what they're doing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're very well run. Um, they've, I mean, even their current manager here, remember when they were thinking mm-hmm. about sacking him after they lost to us in mm-hmm. the match day one, and now they've won the freaking group. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they've, they've, I mean, Dortmund kind of does have like a bit of a, a choking problem in big games like we do. Uh, yeah. But they're a good football club. So, yeah, you look at who we've had and then you look at who Man City have had. It's, the contrast is crazy. I would have put um, money that they would have drawn Copenhagen, but okay, oh, yeah. so we're we're, oh. we're in agreement. We're not watching City Copenhagen, oh, whatever. Who, who are you going to yeah, be watching? Sorry. We we touched on that. I touched on that point far too long. <laughs> That's apologize. okay. I got off track, but um, yeah, that that one, yeah, that that was basically clear as day. We knew that they were getting them or Lazio, which are, mm-hmm. I think, pretty clearly the, the two worst teams in the last sixteen. Um, other ties that I'm excited for. Uh, Inter versus Atletico Madrid. I think mm-hmm. Inter are going to win that one, even though they're a group runner-up. I think PSV is going to surprise people against Inter Dortmund. just lost to uh, Bologna and Thiago Mata in the they Copa did. Italia, well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Thiago Mata is goaded. He's just a, yes. he's clearly an elite manager in the makings. But um, yeah, but uh, it seems like a lot of those teams uh, have kind of lost in the cup the last couple days. Um, I can't believe well, you haven't said Real Madrid Leipzig because Javi Simmons is coming no, in secret agent. Point. Yeah, that's a good He's point. They actually have. I'm watching that one. Yeah, they actually have a pretty good chance to advance there. Um, I think ultimately Real Madrid will will, will do it or may get past them. But um, Leipzig pose a couple interesting problems. Yeah, um, who else? Man, yeah, I think those are, those are those are the big ones uh, for me. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the the greatest round of sixteen. Um, no, it's not. But the, it's it certainly sets up for many of these big teams. Hopefully, PSG included going on to the next round. And that's when yeah. things are going to get interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's see. We're we're coming up on time, but we've got a couple more topics I want to get to. I want to ask you about this stupid Super League thing uh, because mm-hmm. it came out earlier today. Uh, the geniuses behind the project. Uh, launched a, I guess what you call it, like a version 2.0 on Thursday. And it was met with the same rejection as the first one with club after club after club saying, we're not interested. This latest edition of the Super League, it poses a, what is it? A 64 team, three division competition. You're going to have promotion and relegation. But if you're in like the top tier uh, league, you can't really drop. It was kind of sketchy. Um, and this was announced after there was a court ruling that basically said that you know UEFA can't really ban anyone or any players, any clubs or players from the Champions League for kind of pushing forward this new league. So they, with that news, they were like, "Here's the next version." So, what is your take on all this? And if I didn't explain that correctly, fill the people in. But just overall, what do you think about the Super League? Yeah, I think the Super League, um, the idea of it is not bad. I totally get clubs wanting to have more control over their revenue because they, they currently, a lot of these, uh, the, the, a lot of these, the two super league clubs, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of against how the revenue is, is kind of doled out from UEFA. I get that. Um, but I think, and man, I was, I was talking a lot about all this today and I've got pretty strong opinions on the way this is all formatted, but 
Uh, I'm strongly against it because uh, for a couple reasons. The so what we could do, and a lot of these these clubs that have rejected it have said, is that uh, they're gonna they've stated, okay, we reject the Super League idea. We want to work more with our domestic league and with UEFA to come to a solution that suits everyone better. Um, that's that's a good point, and, and that's I think what we should be doing if teams have. Uh, issues or concerns over revenue, but what the Super League feels does, I feel, and what most people feel, is that it ta- it takes that and it goes, no, we just want to have a full-on coup, and we want to completely overrun and change the way things are. We want to strip power from UEFA and the ECA, um, which, you know, if, if you're a non-PSG fan hearing this right now, and if you really know football... You might be thinking, oh, well, this guy just loves, you know, referring to me, this guy just loves Nasser because he's on the ECA and he's on the UEFA executive board because he's the ECA president, I believe. Um, that's not really what I'm going for at all. Um, the Just the current version of this, the the fact that they've been trying to state the Super League that it's, you know, you get in by sporting merit when – Teams would have to have three crap seasons to basically not play in this league, uh, compared to where in real life, if you have one crap season in your domestic league, then you're obviously not in Europe next year. But in this, the the league, the league performance uh, may or may not even matter. That's kind of yet to be determined. A lot of people have been claiming it wouldn't matter. Which, if that's true, that's a huge problem. Um. It's also sort of, I mean, a lot of people that are, that are for it have been thinking, oh, well, all you anti-Super League people, uh, you guys just, you, you love UEFA and you just want to prop them up. And that's not it at all. We, I think we realize UEFA is not perfect. They, they are, um, there is corruption there for sure. But we're not going to pass over UEFA, who's got a very clear structure with dozens and dozens of board members and different positions. They've got all these committees and panels. Uh, sorry for, for you know, that we don't want to pass that up so that Florentino Perez and whatever Barcelona's president's name is, I can't remember. Who is it? It's not Tebas. He's, he's La Liga's president. I don't um, know. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't manage money well. That's all it's on the top of – oh, my gosh. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm just looking it up right now. Um, Joan Laporta, that's his name. There it is. Joan Laporta, sorry that I don't want to just have Laporta and uh, Florentino Perez running everything. <laughs> uh, I'll take the the same the similar system with hundreds of, of employees, board members, etc. And I will say this. I, I get that if you're a Super League supporter, to, to when English people like Gary Neville, a lot of Premier League you know, legends and, and players and coaches came out uh, criticizing it today. You can totally make the case. Oh well, England just wants to keep their spot at the uh, at the top. You know, they want to. You know, because England by far brings in the most money, and they just want to keep their status at the top of football. Yeah, I totally get to criticize people who have ties to the Premier League for this. That's that's totally understandable because it would appear as if you know the Super League is going to. Even the playing field, Barcelona and Real Madrid and the other teams that are in it, they're going to be making a lot more revenue uh, in comparison to what you know the gap is between the Premier League and everyone else now. I get that, but I think it's pretty telling that the Super League idea sucks and is 
rejected, you know, by, you know, wisely rejected by all, by most of Europe, when you see basically all of Syria, the Bundesliga and Liga, all rejecting it, which these are club, these are leagues where their top clubs would benefit financially from joining the Super League. PSG's revenue would go up, Bayern's would go up, Juventus, Inter, AC Milan, um, uh, freaking, who am I thinking of? You know, just the top, the, the other top uh, Serie A clubs, they would all benefit from from this kind of a move financially. But it comes at the cost of not just that the leagues have have rejected it, because uh, it's pretty clear why the leagues would reject. It. I'll get to that in a second. But the top clubs have even rejected it because they realize if we leave this league, I mean, think of if if PSG and the top couple, you know. Uh, maybe we go Marseille, Lyon, uh, and I say Lyon because domestic league performance almost wouldn't matter in the Super League. You, you take the top four clubs of all these, of the Bundesliga, Serie A, and Liga, if they are gone from the league, the TV deals that that the remnants of these leagues are going to be left with are going to be terrible because their top three or four bring in probably half the money. So what we're going to see is any struggling club like like Everton in the Premier League or Saint-Étienne right now in Ligue 1. They're, they're, sorry, they're in Ligue 2. They got relegated. They've been a Liga staple for forever. They were the record winners for a long time. Um, just take any, any club in Serie A that's kind of been struggling financially. Take any club in La Liga that's been struggling financially. That league has had so much debt recently. These teams are going to... Their ability to make big revenue off of match day income from these matches when Barcelona and Real Madrid come into town, their TV deals, they won't be able to negotiate anything near what it is now. Their sponsorships will drop because they know they won't have eyeballs on those games when they're playing the big clubs. Their ability to make money will become twice as hard when most of them are already working at a deficit. And a Super League would likely cause the death of dozens of historic European clubs just to prop up the top 64. And some of the top 64, I mean, if you're in that, whatever the hell, the blue league, the one that was at the bottom, the third tier, who knows what the money might be like down there. Um, But this sort of system would likely cause a lot of these clubs to die. Um, And obviously that's just not something I'm, I'm for. If there's a way where we can make this super league that's going to, I mean, the thing is, the Super League is sort of just a reform of the Champions League in a way. So it, it, it's tough. I'm, I don't want to, I would not want PSG to join this league and then see teams like Auxerre and and Reims and Stade Brestois. I mean, they'd die off. A lot of these teams would, you know, if they went through rough years and they, didn't, they weren't managed well, they're semi-pro pretty soon with this if this move happens so to prop up the top 64 while completely giving the middle finger to the hundreds below them is just not something i'm for um and that's that's kind of how i feel sorry that was a bit of a long extended <laughs> point but uh and lastly <clears throat> this could be seen as just a a quick cat not a quick cash grab but a cash grab by la liga because you know, and and hear me out when i say this I like La Liga and I like Barcelona and I like Real Madrid far more than I like the, the top Premier League teams. Um, I don't like Real Madrid at all. I've always respected Barcelona a lot, but I would, I'll always root for them 
in European competitions over English clubs. Yet this feels like just a quick ca a cash grab because La Liga has been at the pinnacle for so long and they're not at the pinnacle anymore, clearly. And they're trying to even the playing field. But what it would really do is, uh, you know, it, it would turn football into, a, you know, what we have in America where you can't – new teams don't come into the MLS basically. You don't see a team get promoted, I'll say that, into the MLS based on sporting merit. You don't see new teams getting put in the NFL. These old versions of, you know, the AFL back in the day, you've got that one competitor to the NBA way back in the day. All those kind of systems that were kind of historic and cool, when they merged with the NBA, the teams at the bottom that, that weren't the high money makers, those teams all died. And we don't, I can't name any of those teams off the top of my head because they died long ago. That's what would happen, I think, to a lot of these smaller teams like Osasuna in La Liga and, you know, just all these, all these smaller teams that are professional. They've got great history, but they're obviously not the money makers. And um, I think we would just see a lot of those teams vanish in the coming years if that happened. A lot of really good points. Um, and, and I'm with you. The Super League is a bad idea. It, but that's not to say that there doesn't need to be some sort of change in football and the way it's structured yeah. or that you know there, there aren't real issues. But what you don't do is you don't work with a Madrid-based agency and you don't have Real Madrid's president leading this. What you, I think, do instead is you get um, a group of people from – presidents of different clubs i'm even thinking maybe you bring in fans and i'm saying you go you know from manchester city down to brentford you get psg and like you said Auger. you you get people with varying interests across the spectrum and you say you know here are the issues here's where we want to get to let's put our heads together and figure this out and i think if you did it that way and you had a proposal maybe people would be more willing because you'd have you'd have people from lower teams fighting to stay in it so that they can still be a viable football club and not just be left in the dust. You have to care about those teams. You have to care about your, as you said, St. Etienne. And so, yes, there are issues, but it cannot be – a solution cannot be defined by you know, Real Madrid president and a, a Madrid-based agency. I just think that's just on as soon as that is announced, everyone is going to be against it because there weren't enough voices that went into that with varying interest. And so people are going to be left out. Clubs are going to be left out. As you said, clubs will eventually uh, die because they won't be able to negotiate those TV deals. So we'll, uh, we'll put a pit in that. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about the Super League. Maybe there'll be a 3.0. We'll have to see. Uh, but we're talking about TV and, and Ethan, I want to, um, get your thoughts because our last topic, there was an, an interview on World Soccer Talk, um, and it was about Ligon, and it, and it was an interview with the uh, LFP chief executive Ben Morrell, and in that he's talking about the next uh, U.S. TV deal, and and it says quote Ligon wants to connect with fans in a different way, and that includes the broadcast deal uh, that they're working on. And that the, that they think the league is well primed to be successful here. So there's a lot of streamers and broadcasters. Where would you like to see league on next season? Where would you like to tune in to catch them, catch the catch the matches? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking from and from my perspective, of course, uh, you wouldn't want to actually just take one one person's uh, you know ideal destination and and put it there. Um, I would like to see them on ESPN Plus, but you could definitely argue that that's oversaturated as they've already got a bunch of the cups uh, under contract. They have got uh, the Bundesliga, they've got Serie A, um, and I think they've even got La Liga under uh, ESPN Plus. So um, that they do, I think they have the Air Divisie and some of the different. Yeah, cup. I think the FA Cup might be on there. You're right, the FA, uh, the Carabao Cup's at least on Carabao there. Carabao yeah. might be it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the energy drink, energy drink cup. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that those are at least on there. Uh, they even have the Air, Air Divisie, huh? So they have basically four of the top six or seven leagues in, in football. Um, so that might just be, like I said, oversaturation. Um, I'm just wondering if one of these NBC, CBS, or ABC, one of those, from my memory, I mean, NBC has the Premier League, but I'm thinking of, of the other two. I, I wish I knew TV deals better, but I don't know if either of them have a, a huge – one of these huge leagues or one of these huge competitions. C- CBS they... has uh, Serie A, although I don't know if that deal has okay. been renewed or not. But they, they currently, you know, if we're going by right now, they do have Serie A right now. Okay. I think that's their big one. What I like about CBS is they have like the Galazzo Network. It's 24-7 football oh, talk. Oh is, the, the, oh, is that network on uh, – It's on CBS, like Paramount huh? Plus, but it's all owned by CBS. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I would like to see them on one of those. Um for me personally, as long as it's going to be on YouTube TV, which is is what I use, then I'm I'm good with it. But then you're good. no, but I, I really do want it to be um, on one of these big ones. That's that's going to be. Uh, I mean, no one outside of no one outside of Le- anyone who watches Liga or the Turkish Super League knows B in sports. You know, it's, or if you like bare knuckle fighting, yeah, <laughs> bare knuckle <laughs> fighting, uh, wind sailing. Uh, yeah, they've got Some what's obscure the, what's tennis. The What's the one where they're? <laughs> what's the one where they uh, they ride horses and they hit the ball with the stick? Oh, polo, um, polo! They've got polo on there too. Oh Man, being sports has some of the weirdest. <laughs> my diss on it is that it's been pretty poorly produced for a long time. Outside of that, being sports clearly doesn't have uh, an American uh, audience. It's not like everyone in the U.S. knows being sports. Uh, just like the same way that people in the U.S. don't really know Canal Plus that much. It'd just be better if we got a TV deal in the U.S. with an American company because they'll just naturally be far more eyeballs on it. That's as simple as it is. So, um, yeah, one of those big ones. Um, I want to know what's what's your take on it because, yeah, the, the point yeah. that you brought up when they talked to LFP's uh, the guy from LFP that's, yeah, that's yeah. with French football. If anyone doesn't know, yeah. Um, yeah. What are what did you take away from from uh, that article that you read? Yeah. So I thought a lot about this. If you're going to go with a traditional uh, provider of you know like a, a CBS or somebody like that or NBC, I think the deal has to include maybe a match a week that's going to be on traditional linear television. So I don't want to sign a deal with CBS, Paramount, and everything is only streaming. I would like a game a week, and it could be a PSG game. You know, if that's where your biggest stars, put them on TV so that someone with a traditional cable package who gets a CBS channel 
they're able to watch. Um, it's not unlike uh, what uh, the Premier League does with the NBC. A lot of their games uh, are on Peacock, but you can still watch games on the main NBC channel. They put them on, you know, the whatever networks that NBC owns. So I think you go that route if you can get that kind of guarantee where at the bare minimum a match a week is, is on there. Um, I really, really like the idea of Apple TV. We, we saw last season – they signed a deal with uh, MLS, and they had great success with uh, Messi going over there and playing for Inter Miami. Apple TV, desperate for more sports content. They also show um, – is it Saturday Night Baseball or Friday? So they show Major League Baseball as well. And the production quality for both MLS and, and MLB from Apple TV is the best. The on-screen graphics are phenomenal. They've got stats baked in. It's really, really top-notch stuff. So if Legon can uh, go that route and go with Apple TV, I think that would be fantastic. And then you get that synergy between MLS and Legon, which I think would really, really help boost what um, what their goal is to kind of grow the league in America. Um, I tweeted this out, but you know, could MLS and Legon teams play friendlies during the summer? Um, could PSG play the MLS All-Stars in an All-Star game? Something like that. Um, I also thought that more League on teams need to come over and play preseason tours. I think the Trophy de Champion should be over here, you know, every other year, let's call it. I even think the NFL played a game in Germany. They play in London. They play in Mexico. Why can't League on take a game and play it over here? In a, in a city and, you know, create some buzz around that, like an actual, no other league is doing that. They would get a lot of attention for doing that. I know that's taken away a game from, you know, maybe if it's PSG, you're taking a home game away, but if it, if it's for the betterment of the league and more money to all the teams, why not do consider something like that at least? So that's where I'm kind of thinking. I, I, it needs to be a wide, a broad spectrum of different tactics that you, you are deploying and really, it all starts with that broadcaster. So I'd also even throw maybe Amazon in there. They do uh, what's probably on right now, Thursday uh, football, NFL. They're probably looking for content as well. I think Amazon has the rights in France to broadcast, so it would probably be pretty easy for them to also have it here in the United States. So I wouldn't count them out uh, either. But what are your thoughts on, on any of those? Yeah, that, that could be pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I know that... Oh, man, maybe having the thing that stood out to me that you said is maybe having a league match over there. I, I don't know if I support that, but I, of course, I'm biased on this one. I definitely support having the Trophy de Champion over here. But see, um, why does the NFL, see, the NFL can do it, and we all just, okay, Jaguars play like 12 games over there. Um, oh, man, I don't know. It's just the, my mind just wants to say my brain just says PSG Marseille and Miami. That's what your brain wants to say no. right there. No, it's not what my brain <laughs> says. Um, it might be a better idea than people get. We'll give it a, at face value, but uh, I just you're gonna don't. have to be a little gimmicky at least at the start if you want attention away from no, the Premier League. That. Yeah, you have to do something point. different. That's a fair point because yeah, we've seen the Trophy de Champion has been in the U.S. before. Um, it, you know, yeah, man, that, I don't know. I just going back to me, just seeing the tradition of it. Um, it would be, I mean, French fans would obviously hate it, but 
it might it you know it really honestly you know it could be good for for viewers here in the U.S. I think right now I would just the trophy champion first off it needs to be back in in the U.S. Um, I don't know. I just playing an actual Liga game could be that might be too much for me. I don't know. Maybe you'll persuade me over time, but um, I mean NFL yeah. NFL season ticket holders pay a lot more than ticket season ticket holders uh, for PSG. And a lot of those teams, uh, uh, fans in the NFL lose a game because they played over in London or Germany. Yeah, No, it's, it's a, it's a good point. Yeah. It's you gotta uh, expand. You, you gotta right. expand. Right. You gotta do something different. You're right. The whole, you may have to be a little gimmicky at the beginning. That's a, that's a good point. If, if they're I mean, thinking that, Oh, we've got, you know, Balogun at uh, Monaco. So he's, he's on the U S team and they can just say, he's going to, generate buzz and interest in this league wrong absolutely wrong no one is going to sign up and they one player can do that Messi. that's it yeah. maybe yeah. ronaldo yeah but he's the only player that you could say hey are, we have we have this guy and you'll get billions of signups on your stream or whatever yeah no one's signing up to watch balligan no one i'm sorry it's just i love him as a player i'm glad he chose to play for the u.s no one cares I mean, it's not yeah. like the Premier League is full of American players, and that's why they tune in. Yeah, that's that is a good point. Yeah, hmm. so, there's a lot to be decided. Um, hopefully, we have some news towards the end of this season, and then in the summer, we'll have to see. Um, you know, the LFP they're they're working with different marketing agencies. I haven't seen anything yet, but hopefully, things are in motion, and it'll be hopefully next season a lot easier to watch PSG in league on matches. Ethan. I've kept you far too long. It's late here on a Thursday evening. I can't thank you enough for coming on after your, your little vacation there. Well rested, but you brought the heat today, so I really appreciate it. Any final words from you? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It, it had been a while since I'd been on. Um, my busy season for work, of course, is October, November, early December, so wasn't as active, of course. But, yeah, always always uh, good. I always love coming on here and, and having discussions with you. But yeah. – um, no, nothing for me uh, other than uh, go Niners on Monday. And, That's right. Uh, we didn't get to that. Yeah, so uh, Ravens 49ers, little Super Bowl preview. I think it's going to be – give me a score prediction. I, I'm going to go – I don't know. Well, you're going to have 28-24 Ravens. Yeah, yeah I was going to say you're going to have Ravens. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, the Niners, we do struggle against mobile quarterbacks. Um, but – yeah, some of our defensive guys got a little bit of a rest last week with being being out against Arizona. Um, if if the D line, you know, if, if Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave are both active, uh, unlike last week, that's why our run our run uh, D was was pretty poor last week. But if all the if those guys are in, I'm gonna go Niners win by a touchdown. Let's go thirty-one mm. seventeen or twenty-four. Nice. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think 49ers are favored by five, five and a half points, something yeah. like that. So I, I think ultimately if our D-line's healthy, I think it'll come down to whether Fred Warner has a good game or not. So there you go. If you uh, don't have anything to do, PSG obviously off. If you're looking for something to watch, tune in um, to Ravens 49ers on Christmas night. Should be a good one. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Leave us a review if you can. And 
uh, happy holidays to everyone out there. We probably won't have another show until after the, the Christmas break here. So um, it's been a great year here at PSG Talk. Can't thank you all enough for your support. Really appreciate it. We'll be back soon in the new year with a, with a new episode for you guys to listen to. So until then, bye for now.